week nine of our study of the book of Philippians. And our text today is in Philippians chapter four. And we're going to begin reading in verse 10. If you, if you want to just read with me. The Apostle Paul, in verse 10, says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Today we're talking about the joy of contentment. Contentment. Paul says in verse 11, not that I speak from one, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. Now, how many of you would like to be, be able to say that? What a powerful statement he makes here. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. Is that far-fetched? Is that like, are you crazy kind of statement? Did Paul um, lose his mind whenever he made that statement? Well, what is contentment? What, what is he talking about here? Well, you know, contentment, I think, is the balance between two extremes. It's the balance between apathy and becoming overly anxious and dissatisfied with life. You know, contentment is not being apathetic. You know, some people say, well, man, I'm content while they sit on the couch with their remote control, you know, drinking their Budweiser, while their house is falling apart, they don't have food to buy any groceries, their kids are all messed up, their marriage is not good, and they say, I'm just content with life. No, that's not contentment. That's apathetic. Apathy is different than contentment. But then there's the other extreme of being overly anxious and never satisfied, where nothing can really make you happy in life, content with life. And, you know, that's a person that's always worried about everything, never satisfied with how much he's got. He always wants more, always wants what other people have. He seems to be always upset and contentious, fussing and fuming about something. It's like they got this, this constant turmoil down on the inside of them. Contentment is not apathy, but it's a place of peace and satisfaction regardless of the circumstances and situations we're facing in life. Paul said, I've learned to be content in every circumstance, in all situations. Now, I want to just give you Three truths concerning commitment that we see here as Paul unfolds this text. First of all, contentment is a disposition that can be learned. For Paul said in Philippians 4.11, For I have learned to be content. To learn implies being taught something you don't already know. And so what that tells us is that Paul didn't inherit contentment. It wasn't a supernatural gift that he was given at birth that he was all of a sudden the most content person on the face of the globe. No, the Bible says Paul learned it. Contentment was something that Paul had to learn as he went through life. And so that tells me if Paul can learn contentment, 
so can I. Amen? That tells me that if Paul can learn contentment, so can we. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You separate the two, it's not so much. And I don't know if you can have one without the other. I don't know if you can have godliness without contentment. I don't know if you can have contentment without godliness. I think it's like two sides of the same coin. And so here's the point. Contentment is an acquired behavioral response. And it's a mental disposition that anyone can learn that will ultimately be a tremendous blessing in our life. It will fuel joy in our life. Amen? Now, a second truth concerning contentment is this. Contentment is not dependent on circumstances. Paul says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. In other words, he's saying my contentment isn't based on my circumstance. So he's saying my quality of life isn't dependent on the circumstances or situations I'm facing. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be pleased and satisfied with life, whether I'm in the valley or on the mountaintop. Whatever my lot, whatever my situation, whatever my circumstance, whenever things are good, I'm content. Whenever things are a struggle, I'm content. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm facing in life. Man, that's a powerful statement right there. You know, it's like, man, Paul must be made out of something I'm not. Because I, it's hard for me to say, I'm content in all circumstances. What about you? And so because, because Paul had learned it, he could preach it. And he says, man, it doesn't matter what I face. I've learned that I can get through this thing. And I think Paul is trying to encourage you and I today. That, hey, we can get through this thing. We can be encouraged. Amen? Here's the third truth concerning contentment. Contentment is not a destination in life. You know, some people think contentment comes... When you reach a certain destination or a certain place in life, and they say, man, whenever I retire, man, then I'm going to be content. But as long as I have to work, being content is out of the picture. Or some people say, you know, well, man, as soon as in three weeks I'm going on vacation, man, I'll tell you what, I'll be content. You know, or, man, I've I've been going to school, seems like. 99 years, when I get my diploma, I'm going to be one content person. They get their diploma, and they wake up the next morning, and content is not there. Because it's not a destination. See, single people say, man, if I could just get married, I'll be content. Married people say, if I could just be single, I'd be content. Parents say, if I can get just grow these kids up and get them out, I'll be content. And kids say, if I can just get out of this house, I'll be content. And we're always looking for that place and that destination to be content. And God says, it's not a place. It's not a place. First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. <laughs> Two people said amen. The rest of us, we silent and say, oh my. Paul encourages us to learn to be content with the simplest things in life. With the simplest and the basic necessities. With food and clothing, I will be content. 
How many of you feel like you got some work to do? We must learn to develop this disposition of contentment in every circumstance and situation in life. You know, whenever I think of contentment, we have a cat, a fat cat. Life way too easy. And you know, whenever that cat lays down anywhere in the house she wants, she just lays there. The the house could be burning down. She's there with her eyes closed. And whenever I see that cat, I get a picture of contentment. (laughs) You know, it's not rattled very much. And I believe that's the picture that God is wanting to give us. That, hey, if we can, we can just have a place of peace and rest in life. Amen. And so our, in our text, Paul gives us three specific circumstances we must learn to overcome to develop a life of contentment. And the first one is contentment in dealing with people. Paul had to learn contentment in his dealings and treatment of other people. You can't enjoy a life of contentment till you learn how to deal with other people. Look in Philippians 4.10. Paul said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Now, you remember the book of Philippians was written because Epaphroditus brought a gift to Paul in prison. and says, here's a financial contribution. Here's a gift. Here's an offering. And he's writing back, saying, hey, thank you for that. But you see right here, so you remember the occasion of Paul's writing was to thank the Philippian church for their offering they had sent. But notice he mentions that their concern had been revived. Look in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. So apparently the Philippian church who was one of his most supportive churches, one of the churches he liked the most, had quit corresponding with him, had quit supporting him, had quit touching base with him. They forgot he was there. He was a forgotten missionary. And Paul had the opportunity to get his feelings hurt and to get bitter with the church that he had won to Christ and the reason for his imprisonment. He had opportunity to get his feelings hurt and get offended with the Philippian church, but he gives them the benefit of the doubt. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. He says, I know the reason that you haven't touched base with me, that you haven't sent any money to help me. I know the reason is not because you didn't care. I know that you care. I know the reason has to be that you didn't have the opportunity. Paul says, even though I haven't heard from you in quite a while, I know it has nothing to do with the fact that you don't love me or you don't care. See, Paul took the high road. Rather than get bitter, get angry, get judgmental, get critical, rather than get offended with the Philippian church, he takes the high road. He keeps it on the positive. He says, hey, thank you for the gift that he needed, but man, thank you for your concern. So you know what? Paul learned to let hurt and disappointment with people roll off his back so he could stay in a place, in a position of contentment. What is that telling us? It's telling us that we got to learn to be content in dealing with people. It's easy to get discontented when people 
don't meet their expectations. When people seem like they don't care. When people do things that hurt you, offend you. Friends don't care. When family don't care. When Christians don't care. When spiritual leaders seem they don't care. It's easy to get hurt. And how many of you know, you can't stay in a place of contentment when you got animosity towards somebody. When your nurse hurt of somebody else's treatment of you. You know, somebody said this, to live above with the saints we love, that would be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, that's a different story. Matthew 18, 7, Jesus said, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. But woe to the man by whom the offense comes. He says offenses must come. If you're breathing, you're going to get disappointed with people. Isn't that right, saints? Help me preach. How many of you agree with that? It's just a matter of time. None of us are 100%. None of us are perfect. That we don't ever miss it. That we don't ever make a mistake. You know, if you don't want to get disappointed with people, you got to go get under a rock somewhere, get in a cave somewhere, and stay away from people. But you know what? That is not the place to live your life. So you got to live among people. you got to live with people. In fact, I was, I was talking with somebody just the other day, and they said, you know, the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. Apparently, God knew that we had two needs in our life, to love God and to love people. And so there's a need for us to love and to be loved. But in the context of that, people messes up. People will always let you down. So then the question is, what are you going to do whenever that happens? We must learn to overcome the disappointments that come from people to maintain contentment. Are you all tracking with me? The key to living in uh, in contentment when you deal with people, is patience and long-suffering. Long-suffering means to suffer long. Long-suffering means to endure others' faults and shortcomings for a long period of time. Oh, man, I'm getting a chance to practice that one. Ephesians 4, 1 says, Therefore, a prisoner... I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, I remember, you know, here we go again, back to the oil field. But, you know, you heard me tell that story. I had this really nice, I worked with these nice people at Camco and went to work for Baker Hughes and they weren't so nice. My supervisor was not so nice. And, and he, was, he was very harsh, very hard. And it seems like his goal in life was to make me miserable. And he was accomplishing that. And so, um, and so you know, one day I'm, I'm, I'm driving to work and I'm saying, oh, here I go again. Right? Passed by Camco, cried a tear, you know. And, and I was saying, God, why are you allowing this in my life? And God said, you're asking the wrong question. Instead of asking me why you're allowing this in your life, why don't you ask me what I'm trying to do in your life? It's like, <laughs> I don't like what you're doing. And so sometimes we get the wrong focus. 
where God's allowing things in our life. How many of you know God don't waste an experience? If God allows us to get disappointed and hurt by somebody, God's trying to get us to a new level of love. Amen? And so the Lord said, you know what, Todd? I knew who you were going to go to work for. I allowed you to make that move. In fact, I encourage you to make that move because I wanted to work in you. Oh, yes, sir. Can you do it quickly, Lord? Quickly. But you know, the bottom line was, you know, when God wants to teach you to love more, be patient with others more, he puts you in an environment to grow your patience. He puts you in a situation to go deeper. Listen, anybody, the Bible says anybody can love those that are lovable. Anybody can be patient with those that, are, that just have high skill level, people skill level. But what about the unique people that God puts around us to help us grow in the Lord? It seemed that the Lord said, you know what, Todd, I got a purpose for you here, not just to build your character, but I got a goal here. That guy needs to be reached with my love. And I'm trying to show him Christian love through you. It's like, oh, God, he don't see nothing like it right now. But what about you? What about what is God doing in your life? Maybe there's somebody right around you that God's trying to win to Christ. But he's trying to get you to learn to be content and not get all exasperated, get all flustered because of the way people are treating you or not treating you. And maybe he's trying to reach somebody that wouldn't be reached otherwise. And he's waiting for you to just get to a place where you're just in a place of contentment. Amen. And by the way, after I left Baker, I found out later this brother got saved, radically saved. Amen. And so I don't think I'm the one that won him to Christ. I really don't. But at least I didn't mess it, totally mess it up. You know, so are you with me out there? All right. So patience and long suffering will keep you in a life of contentment. So then the question is, how you doing right now? How content are you? Do you have contentment in your life? Point number two, another circumstance we got to gain contentment is contentment with poverty. Notice what Paul says in verse four. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, I can get along with humble means. What does that mean? Humble means is a picture of a river that's running low, that's about to dry up. And and the, and the picture there represents whenever your food supply is short. Whenever your finances, whenever your finances are thin, it's being in that place where you're not abounding in prosperity and blessings. And Paul had to experience that. Paul had to learn how to go without, how to go without even having food. The Bible says he said often I was hungry, not even having food. And Paul, in that circumstance, says, I learned to be content. And so he says, listen, I've learned to be content whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley. I learned that you can be content even when the river's running low and you have a large amount of lack. Isn't it true that our state of contentment is often determined by how much we possess or how much we have materially or how little we have? 
Paul learned to be content whether he was in poverty row or prosperity mountain. And so you know what that tells me? Is he learned that the, his source of life was not determined by the external things, monetary things. His source of life was determined by something outside of that. His source of life was determined by something instead of that. Now listen, I know even as I'm saying this, this is a hard truth. Who can understand? This is a hard saying. Who can understand? This is, this is powerful. When we can live our life, you know, listen, whenever you're in a place of contentment, you're not complaining about everything around you. You're not frustrated with all your circumstances. Man, I'm just looking back over my week and I'm thinking, wow. How many of you ever went to the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles? Listen, next time you want to practice long suffering, just go sit in there. I mean, it took us an hour and a half to get our transaction done. I wasn't content for an hour and a half. Ask Tanya, she'll tell you. I mean, outside I was like this. I actually ran into a sister from the church and I smiled. Hey, how you doing? Inside I'm like, ah, come on, state, hire some more people. Come on, I'm confessing my faults trying to encourage you this morning. But Paul learned the source of his life was outside of circumstance. We need to learn to be content when we're struggling financially and have nothing. Remember Job? Job was blessed. And, and they had this meeting. And all the angels came around the Lord. And so did Satan. And the Lord spoke to Satan. And he said, hey. He said, where you been? He said, I've been roaming around the earth. And he said, well, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, oh, yeah, Job, you know, I would try to mess him up, but, but he's, the reason why he's serving you is because he's prospering, because he's blessed. But if you take all that away, he ain't going to serve. He's going to curse you to your face. And the Lord said, well, let's try it. Let me read it to you. Job chapter 1 and verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless, an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, you know the story. Job was stripped of everything. Even his health. But you remember the story in Job 13, 15, Job said this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, Satan's contention was that Job was just serving God because of the blessings that he has. And the only reason why he was content with life is because God had placed the hedge around him and he was getting blessed. Job said, if you lo- if he lost that, he's not going to serve you. But Job proved that he would serve God if God didn't give him another blessing. And so the question is, are we serving God for what we can get from God or are we serving God because of what he's already done? 
See, when we're serving God because of what he can give us or what he can do for us, it's the wrong motivation and the wrong attitude to have. It'll keep you from a place of contentment where you need to just change your heart and say, wait a minute, he already gave his life to die for me so I don't have to spend eternity separated from him. If he didn't do another thing for me, if I ended up dying of starvation here, it would be okay because I get to spend all my eternity on the streets of gold where there's no pain, no sorrow, no crying, no dying. Amen. Amen. So we need to come to the place where we become content in our walk with God. Benefits or no benefits. And then the third circumstance that we need to learn how to overcome to develop contentment in our life is contentment with prosperity. You notice what he said in verse 12? He said, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to get along or live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. So Paul knew what it was to prosper. He knew what it was to have more than enough. Prosperity and abundance is a picture of the river running high and overflowing its banks. And it represents the times in our life when we're getting extremely blessed, where blessings are coming from everywhere. Say, oh, it's easy to be content during that time. But you know what? History has shown us that Christians have a harder time handling has an, have an easier time handling poverty than prosperity. Prosperity has more power to get us out of a place of contentment than poverty does. You think, well, man, if I just have all the money I need, and if I can buy whatever I want, why wouldn't you be content? Well, ask a few million people on the globe, because there are many people like that, Right? Prosperity has a way of messing up your heart and causing you to live with greater discontentment than poverty. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord warning the children of Israel, this is what he said to them, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But look at verse 11. He says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees. I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, When you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Wow. Verse 15. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, the thirsty and waterless land, with his venomous snakes and his scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock, He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Listen, you know what? I don't believe that continued poverty is the perfect will of God. But there's something about having hard times a little bit. It'll mature you. It'll help you. It'll help you enjoy the blessings of God when they come. Amen? 
Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms this covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Wow. The children of Israel were warned not to allow prosperity to inflate their heart with pride. Now, let's describe wealth and prosperity for just a moment. In the American mindset, wealth and prosperity is whenever you have millions of dollars, big houses and and fine cars. But do you know that the majority of the world gets along like on $2 a day? And that the person that in America would be considered the poorest in America, in the world's, in the perspective of the world, they're still wealthy. They still have places they can go to get a place to sleep, to get a meal whenever they need it, clothes. There's still places even in America that you can get up and go get a job and make a few dollars and make it in life. But there's some places in the world, there's no jobs to be had. There's no salvation army. There's no good will. There's no government to supply resources. That is poor. So listen, in America, what we have is plenty of material things. What we lack is the power of God and the contentment of the spirit of God. Amen. And so we got to learn to handle prosperity. Because prosperity can ruin us. Prosperity can give us a craving for more to the point that we never have enough. We're always trying to get more. We're always comparing ourselves with somebody else. And and other people look at us and say, my goodness, when is enough? And the answer is, it's never enough. Whenever you don't learn to find that place of contentment in the Lord. Amen. So Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned to be content with dealing with people that mistreat me and harm me. I've learned to be content when I live in a, in a valley of low, a a place of poverty, whenever things are not all working well. I've learned to be content and not blame God, not to get mad at God. And I've also learned to be content with living in prosperity and always reminding myself that if I'm blessed, if I'm prospering, it's because God is prospering me. And so then the question is, what is the secret of Paul's contentment? And he gives it to us there in verse 13. And I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. What was Paul's secret to contentment? It was Christ. Who strengthened him? See, to be strengthened by Christ means to be infused by his power. It means to be infused by his grace. It means to be filled with his touch on your life. And Paul said, I'll tell you how I was able to find a place of contentment when I was thrown into prison. I can tell you how I found a place of contentment when the very people I laid my life down for to try to save turned their backs on me and forgot about me while I was sitting in prison. 
I can tell you how I made it through those times when I barely had two pennies to hit together and it seemed like I was just going to die of starvation. I can tell you how I made it when the blessings were abounding in my life. I'll tell you how I did it. It was the power of Christ that came into me. It was the Christ that strengthens me. Now listen, we quote that verse and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the context of this chapter, you know what he's saying? I can find a place of contentment regardless of what I face or where I go through. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That's supernatural. That's miraculous, isn't it? Paul says, I can handle people and not get bitter or disillusioned. I can, I can handle poverty and not get angry. I can handle prosperity and not get prideful because of the power of God. Christ in me. Paul says, I can do it. Contentment comes when the infusing grace of God becomes greater than the influence of my circumstances. Contentment comes when we are so strengthened and empowered by the grace of God that no mistreatment, nothing anybody says, gets my my feathers all ruffled. I just let it just flow right by me and I maintain my place of contentment and peace. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought, well, how do I know if Christ is living in me? Well, then the question is, am I able to live in a place of contentment? If I'm not able to live in a place of contentment, I need more of God's power and grace in my life. Amen? You see, what was asked absent at the, the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, was more of the grace and presence of God. Amen? So I want to ask you today, how are you doing today? Do you, whenever you think of your life, do you feel like that cat at my house? That just lays there and whines whenever she gets thirsty. Whines when she gets hungry. Whines when she wants to get scratched. Miss Babb says that cats are selfish. Dogs will just love you for nothing. Cats want something in return. But come on, what about you today? Are you content? Would you stand with me? Are you content where you are right now? Let's bring this home for just a moment. Would you just close your eyes with me? Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I'm not in a place of contentment because of, and there's a name. There's a name that you could put in that blank. I'm not content right now because somebody didn't meet my expectations. Somebody's not coming through like I expected them to come through. Somebody's not caring for me like I thought they were caring. Paul knows what that feels like. In a place with this many people, there's no doubt that somebody in here today has experienced that. You know, some people live years with an internal turmoil that never stops, never ceases. Robs them of contentment. And God don't want you to live your life that way. God wants to give you strength to be able to just release that hurt. He wants to give you strength to just release that, that offense. He wants to give you strength to just release that circumstance. 
I believe God's grace is in this room today. Some of you, maybe you're discouraged and you've not, you're not content because, because of the low place that you're living in. And you're constantly thinking about what you don't have and what you didn't get and what others have compared to what you have. And it's been a source of contention in your life and it's caused you to lose your, your contentment with God. No doubt there's probably somebody in here that's blessed. It's prospering. But it's causing your heart to drift away from God. It's causing your heart, it's, it's causing you to lose humility. And it's feeding and fueling pride. And it's a dangerous place of forgetting God. And God's strength is in this room today to help us. To move out of that place of move out of that place of harm and get in back in that place of resting in the grace of God. It comes when Christ fills your heart. It comes when Christ's presence lives in your life. Come on, I wonder if we can just open, take a moment to just open our hearts today. Come on. Maybe you have to go to the DMV this week. Maybe you're going to have to deal with something this week that will threaten your contentment in life. But I believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can make it beyond that circumstance. You can make it beyond that situation. You can find peace regardless of the circumstance you're in. And that's what I'm believing for and praying for. Come on, let's agree together that the strength of God is going to be released over our lives today in a powerful way. Father in heaven, I pray right now that Lord, you would release supernaturally, miraculously over this auditorium, the powerful grace of God to fill every heart and fill every life. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for the presence of God that is breaking yokes right now, that is releasing change right now. Thank you, Lord God. Where there's been turmoil, there is now peace, Lord. Where there's been hurt, there's now emotional healing, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Where hearts are drifting, your spirit is drawing us back right now to the cross. In the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for the amazing grace of God that is being release over this place. And Lord, we can say as the apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Saints, you believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can make it. You can make it to the other side through the grace and power of God. Amen. 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 Amen.